Hey, everybody. We're super glad you're here, and welcome to the Ordinary Guide podcast, where we talk about discipleship and what it means to follow Jesus. Today, we're continuing our discussion about the Ordinary Guide, and we'll be covering our first category of discipleship, relationships, and why they matter in God's kingdom. I'm your host, Gabby, and let's get started. So, hey, Gabby. Hey, good morning. Oh, wow. Is this Hunter or Gabby talk? Why do, you, why do you sound different today? <laughs> I went through something called the flu. Oh, no. <laughs> the flu. The flu. It hit me so hard. Oh, Sadly, this, this be is better than episode. how it was. Yes, yeah, but I don't want to relinquish my hosting power, so I'm keeping Clearly it from both of you. Holding tight. Yeah. I this is my week. And you can't get the flu through the podcast. So no, but you two in this room are, you know, not exposed, but you're not not exposed. So that's good. So today we're going to be jumping into our category of relationships. And Hunter, I'd love for you to just remind all of us of the categories of the Ordinary Guide before we do that. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're just joining us, my first encouragement is to go listen to the first two episodes because that will help you have a lot more context for what we're talking about right now. But here at The Ordinary Guide, we define discipleship as ordinarily following Jesus to become like Jesus. And then within that, we fleshed that out into four categories, attempting to categorize the whole of our lives for the sake of accessibility and having language and even putting them into real practical, tangible applications, real ways we follow Jesus. So those four categories are relationships, mission, rhythms, and disciplines. Today we're doing relationships. Really Perfect. excited for that. Perfect. Thank you. So I'd love for us to start by sharing about our experience with relationships because it's like, I don't know, I imagine you hear that and you're like, yeah, relationships are a thing. I know people, I'm in a family, you know, whatever. But maybe we can really just share some of our experience of relationships you know, that's led us to this point. So Ruben, do you want to just get started on that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I think you're right. So I think about, obviously, we all live in relationships. I, I just, I feel like in my Christian experience, and even in most of our Christian experience, relationships, certainly healthy relationships, they, they tend to just be ignored in our <laughs> definition of discipleship. So we might say things like, oh, you should get along and follow the Jesus principle in resolving conflict. But right. I just kind of feel like more often than not, we we just ignore them. And so for me, that that never really created a space for growth. I guess it just sort of created a space for status quo. And I'll be honest, I don't feel like I was ever really discipled in relationships very well. But mm. when I look at the life of Jesus, I see a lot of that. So when I look at the life of Christ, I see relational tensions between yeah. zealots and between tax collectors right. or even relational tensions between him and Pharisees, mm -hmm. you could say. Um, so, so yeah, I, I felt like in my experience, this was just a space that was ignored. And, and I will say this though, that the one relationship that always seemed to matter was marriage. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was always unique to me because Number one, I, I, I look at scripture. You see a lot of single people in scripture. No doubt you see married people, but you see, especially in the first century church, a lot of single individuals. So I could never really fully understand why we highlighted marriage over singleness so so much. Um, but but then even, the, even what I saw and experienced in healthy relationships within marriage in the local church was um, 
I don't know. To me, it was more reactionary than anything else. Mm. And clearly it didn't work, by the way, because 50% of Christian marriages end in divorce just right. like secular marriages. So that, that's been some of my experience. Gab, curious, mm. uh, Gabby, sorry. Some of your, <laughs> some of your experience in, in relationships in the local church and in discipleship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what you're saying is really, you know, reminding me of some of my experience too, definitely. And I think as a woman, you know, growing up in the church, so much of my healthy relationships was with other women. So it really was just you, you know, guys mm. are like to eventually marry one day or they're like in authority. Like they're like separate from you. But women, you know, you can be friends with, you can be vulnerable with, you can connect with. And so when that didn't happen, it would it would be really confusing. Like, what's wrong with me, or is something wrong with them? Like, what what is you know what's wow. missing here? If I'm not connecting in this like category, I'm supposed to connect with. Definitely, as I got older, I should say maybe as a teenager, that really really started to become the pattern of what I was really taking in. Yeah. Um, if that if that makes sense, it relates with anything you guys went through oh, yeah, in a converse side. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people really relate with that. And um, for me, for me, it's a little bit different of a of a background with it. I think I, I approached church very with a very much like the individualism perspective, I would say that's, that's what I experienced the point of church. It wasn't communal. It wasn't relational. It was like, Hey, how can I learn something about God? How can I get something from God? Or, and then even who am I becoming to then possibly, um, do, do something for God, you know, but it wasn't about entering into a community and real relationships real intentional connections with other people. Um, that wasn't really the, the paradigm of the perspective. It's like there's a bunch of individuals in the room hmm. looking at God, not we're all together, interconnected, following Jesus together, really having the way God is forming us together have a huge impact on, on us individually. So I think I just had a huge like individualism experience in terms of really just thinking about myself in relationships. Um, kind of in church and in discipleship. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Do you do you feel like that was do you was that taught or was that caught? So for you was that just hey experientially this is what I'm this is where I'm at mm-hmm. or was it it more intentional than that and it was taught to you? I think it was more caught for sure. I don't I, yeah, it was it was just the the experience that I had I think that I brought in from out out of the church, out outside of like coming in and then it then it lended to me again. Part of that that problem was okay. If if this is just about me and my relationship with God, then I didn't see other people um, really as as people to follow Jesus like alongside of, and even like as integral in terms of like needing them for my discipleship. Mm-hmm. It was more like okay, I'm here with God, and maybe other people can help me with one specific thing, or I'll help them with one specific thing. But it's much more transactional. Mm-hmm. But it was all, I think most of that for me was caught. I, I It wasn't, uh, I don't yeah. think that was necessarily explicitly defined, but I think that's maybe part of the problem is it was ignored. It wasn't explicitly taught right. mm-hmm. Taught the, 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 the discipleship vision that Jesus lays out. It wasn't explicitly taught or, yeah. I, or I didn't, I missed it if, it if it was. I guess I guess I ask because it seems to me like a, 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 American Christendom is 
deeply rooted in individualism mm -hmm. and a, a friend of ours Ken Witzma he he would say in like the industrial complex of Christianity which is that after after the industrial revolution when everybody could have their own something we all we, we started using language that was well intended but we would use language like personal relationship with Christ or it isn't about uh it, it isn't about like everybody else it's just like even if you're the only person on the earth God would have given his son for just you and it mm -hmm. and it just perpetuates i think what you're describing which yep. is that hyper individualism which ironically is what we're oftentimes upset about culture with as christians mm. but but it just seems like in our perspective all of our perspectives and relationships that's what it's lent itself towards yeah that's fascinating yeah 100 100 percent. there's so much we we could get into there uh, as far as like meta culture you know our own experiences our own things but i think all, everyone tracking with this has wrestled with that and that's the, I think that the sadness that then I, I experience is, is to say, Hey, that, that actually wounds people. Like that hurts people. That's mm -hmm. not, cause that's not what we were made for. And that's why we're trying to recover and put forward very explicitly a definition of discipleship that puts relationships as even the first and starting category for us to say, Hey, this is really primary for us mm -hmm. in our discipleship. So yeah, I think it is, it, it's a real problem. Mm -hmm. I love using that that kind of framework of taught or caught because I think it's so true. It's like, well, if you come to church, you're interacting with people in some way. So if you're not being taught, what are you catching? Mm. And then, you know, we're kind of sharing how that's, that's influenced us in the past. But also I think it's because relationships matter so much in God's kingdom, which I think is kind of what you're saying, Hunter. It's like, well, we're made for more. So we are making sense of it in some way. So maybe we can just kind of expand on that a little bit then on why we believe they matter in God's kingdom, right? Mm -hmm. We come from what we've maybe taught or caught, but maybe where we're at now, why would we say they matter in God's kingdom? Yeah. Do you want to start for us, Ruben? Oh, gee, sure, yeah. I mean, this is a fun one. Hunter taught on this a few weeks ago here at the church that we all belong to called Solid Rock Church. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, f I, I feel like one of the things that you really highlighted for us was that uh, relationships is a major theme in scripture. And so be it uh, in the creation narrative where Yahweh uh, create Yahweh, this Trinitarian relational God creates humanity and then creates more humanity so that humanity wouldn't be alone. Mm -hmm. uh, be it in Yahweh's relationship with the patriarch, starting with Abraham, or from there making its way all the way down to, to Isaac and then to Joseph, or even be it with Yahweh's relationship with the prophets or relationship with the kings, mm -hmm. how God reveals himself relationally. Even, I mean, one of the most beautiful pictures of relationship in scripture are Moses and Yahweh. And these 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 two, you know, one Yahweh and and a person that meet in the desert and then go through so much together: anger, dismissal, uh, disobedience, mm. obedience, wow. high highs, low lows. Yeah. You know, um, and 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 so you just have this, and and this, of course, all the way leads us all the way to then Jesus, who comes relationally as an infant. And we're we're filming this during Advent. That's mm. crazy when you really mm. think about it. My daughter the other day said, why does Jesus come as a baby? Why, why would he do that? And wow. I don't even think she fully knew what she was asking me, but I thought, I have no clue. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just, I mean, I could think of a good theological sure, answer for you, but, right. 
but I, but but what comes to mind is relationships. I mean, mm. you've got a you've got a carpenter turned rabbi who lives relationally in Nazareth so much so that when he comes back, people say to themselves, "Wait, Mm-mm. isn't that Joseph's son? <laughs> like, isn't that you know that guy?" And, yeah. but, but again, but they know him relationally, and then of course Jesus calls his disciples and. You just think to yourself, what in the world? How how could all of these men get along? And Jesus makes it work. And he's got conflict. He's got they have, you know, things that they like together, but they also sometimes hate one another. And but they relationally work through it. And so you you just I think this is a major theme in scripture that we've missed. And I would say that we've missed it because we don't look at the overarching hunter use, the 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 big small world word earlier meta like we don't look at the 30,000 meta narrative of scripture we part out scripture to come up with morality to put on our walls and because of that we miss this major theme of relationship okay Hunter you taught on this so I'm curious like give me a little bit of feedback mm. what am I missing in this mm. from this lens no it's it's goal it's it's who God is from the beginning like before anything existed God was in relationship with himself healthy relationship with himself. God is a trinity we worship a trinitarian God of mm. the father and the son and the spirit that existed in love and in mutuality and in care for each other and that is so crucial because then being made in the image of God means that we were made likewise for relationships mm. with him and with one another. When God says it's not good in creation, it's because man is alone. And that's, that's again, just, that's been so narrowly defined as marriage again, but it's <laughs> yeah. much more than that. It's the the words in Hebrew, it's humanity and life. It's the flourishing of mm. men and women of all humanity coming mm-hmm. together to yeah. worship God in, in community, in relationship. And so it's really foundational from the beginning. What we see even then in sin is the primary, I think, consequence of sin is the separating of relationship. Like what happens there in sin yeah. is blame and shame and disconnection from God and from each other. Mm. And that's like the, this main consequence of even what sin is. And our world might, I heard a pastor the other day say like, hey, we we can throw out the word sin in our culture right now. Like that might not be cool, but we can't throw out the effect of it, which everyone sure. resonates with that effect well of said, broken yeah. relationships, of unhealthy relationships, of relationships that have gone really bad and have been really painful. And the reality is though, then what we see in the narrative of scripture is a God who longs to repair and to restore those relationships, both between us and himself and us and one another. And mm. that's why I think the the language of reconciliation is huge in Paul's writing throughout it. Why Jesus himself, yeah, is, is the example of this with how he lives and in inviting people to mm. be restored relationally in proximity to him and in proximity with one another. He invited multiple people to follow him together, well said. not just one person. So there's so much mm-hmm. there's so much here and it's I, I don't know if it's like hiding in plain sight or if it's taken for granted or if it's ignored i don't fully know what it is but what we're trying to say is it is very explicit it's very forward in scripture and therefore it should be very forward in our own then lived following of Jesus. When we think of our ordinary then lives following Jesus, we have to then really take inventory and be serious about how are my relationships? How is how are my relationships forming me to be like Jesus? What how are relationships playing into my discipleship? Those just have to be crucial questions that we're asking um, because of what God has done. Amen. Mm-hmm. That's good. That was well said.
I'm snapping. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it was good. And to stay with you there, I think that's huge because you're going, it's like, how are we missing this? It's like something that's so obvious by hiding in plain sight. And so maybe it's like we can take a minute to just kind of like normalize that. Because we're saying like we've been created for this. We're made in the image of this God who is relational. We worship him. And we see like Reuben, like you said, this overview of scripture of how relationships have been huge for God's story. And they will be for, for eternity. And so it's like we're all made for it. So of course it all matters so much. We're, maybe y'all are listening to this podcast and you can think of people who have been great relationships for you or have like deeply wounded you. So it's just kind of like, of course, that it's so integral to our lives because we can kind of just so naturally in this conversation be like, yes, and look at scripture and see that mm. a huge part relationships are in it for us as we follow Jesus. So I guess it's just kind of sticking out to me. It's like, it's so marvelous, but it's like, but Jesus came as a baby, yeah, right? It's just yeah. like the simplicity, but marvel of it is really sticking out to me. I like that. That's, that's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess maybe just to stay with this thought, you know, as we're kind of unpacking this category for the ordinary guide, I think we're kind of making a good case for why relationships matter, why it's a huge category for us as we follow Jesus ordinarily, because relationships are just a part of who we are. Mm -hmm. And so let's expand a little bit on what relationships, what that looks like in the ordinary guide. So as you're using it, what does that inventory space look like for us? Um, Ruben, do you want to start for us right there? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I think um, in order to share these things, we almost have to set the premise that we are formed in our relationships. So so if it's true that Yahweh has invited us back into relationship, which is beautiful. And he, by, by the way, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't say he didn't have to. Right. Mm, yeah. So So like the narrative of scripture is that we broke relationship with Yahweh. Like Hunter said, we hide in our shame. In his kindness, from that moment forward, he sets out a plan to redeem heaven and earth, starting with people. And in his kindness, he invites us back into relationship. So that's probably a whole other conversation we can have. But but I, I feel like the reason is so that we would become like him. Mm-hmm. So if that's true, then relationships are probably the predominant space that we're most formed into the image of Christ. Wow. Now, that that said, there should be some healthy engagement in that. There should be like some healthy marks in that. And I and and that's what that's what the ordinary guide sets out to gauge. And and that's what we're setting out to talk about. And and so I I would say for for me, probably the the number one part of health of, of relationships that that I I think is a just a sign, a measure of engagement is mutuality. And this is a really unique one. I think we have six of them in our ordinary guide. We're only going to talk about a few of them, but but the one that stands out to me is mutuality, which is this. It, it is this thought. It is this process, even of understanding that two parties play an equal role in a relationship. Um, Hunter, you you described earlier this this thought of individualism and how individualism really lends itself to saying, what do I get out of this? And even only engaging in something in as much as you're receiving from it. But mutuality, it it's it's a lot less about what you get. It isn't it isn't contract. It's more covenantal. And and a lot of the language we're going to use really is more covenantal, less contracty and more covenantal. So for me, mutuality stands out because it's a, you're only in a mutual relationship if both parties have agreed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've got a friendship pan, uh, epidemic, I don't know, a friendship 
problem, I mm-hmm. guess, for most most of us as disciples. Yeah. We have a really hard time finding friendship. When we do inventories with our staff or with disciples at Solid Rock, one of the questions we always ask is, how are friendships going? Because we know how hard that is. Mutuality innately implies that you have talked about what you're going to be to the other person in friendship. And so I, I just... To me, this is a healthy engagement because it it shows and it tells your intentionality in having that conversation. You, you guys, look, the three of us, we're, we're really good friends. My wife included the four of us. We're great mm-hmm. friends. How many conversations on friendship have we had over the last six years? Plenty. Like yeah. countless. <laughs> yeah. Like countless. We had to think about it, right? Because uh-huh. it's been so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but But... But it's also very, if all of our friendships seem very mutual, don't they? Mm-hmm. Like who we are as friends, Hunter to Ruben or Hunter to Alexis or Alexis to Gabby or Gabby to Ruben. Like we're all of our friendships are, they're mutual. We all have equal, mm-hmm. I, I feel like we all have that equality mm-hmm. in, in friendship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Hunter, Absolutely. what's another thought you have on engagement? Well, I, I, I don't think we've shared this yet, but we, we've defined in the Ordinary Guide we have a definition of relationships and Ooh, specifically yeah, like that. even leaning mm-hmm. toward then healthy relationships, which we would say is an intentional connection with others based on the initiative and posture of Jesus. Mm, so that's, that's, that's what we're, we're aiming Solid. at. So we say, Hey, yeah, relationships are really ordinary. Say, say it one more time. Yeah. Just say it one more time. Cause it's good. Mm-hmm. Relationships. And for us in the ordinary guide, healthy relationships are intentional connections with others based on the initiative and posture of Jesus. Mm. So yeah, relationships are ordinary. We all have them. But then what Jesus calls us to as disciples, as his followers to form us is to learn to relate to others based on his initiative and on his posture. And so the, one of our engagement factors is initiative. One of our, one of our things to gauge is, okay, am I taking initiative? What we see in scripture is a God who takes initiative. He does not (laughs) wait for us to move to him. He has moved toward us both in the original creation in giving us our own lives, but then even in Jesus and in the gospel and in Mm. grace and in love and even then in continually wooing us through his spirit as we follow Mm. him to call us back and to beckon us out of shame or beckon us out of hiding and in grace like it's a God who takes initiative and therefore in that image being made to be like Jesus we likewise are called to take initiative toward one another this has been so transformative in my own discipleship because again the paradigm was often I I have to wait for somebody to pursue me. I have to wait for somebody to take initiative towards me in order to have a real relationship. Well, I, or I kind of need to like hint at it, but I can't fully take initiative. I need to kind of, you know, it's like, it's like manipulation light. Yeah, for sure. Uh uh Can you share an example of that where you've had to like take initiative or where somebody's taken initiative towards you in friendship? There are so many examples of that. I think the the biggest examples that I've had to learn is is initiative, not not always in strength to like help someone else, but actually initiative like out of my weakness. Oh, so initiative with a, with a friend to say, hey, I'm I'm actually struggling a little bit right now, or I'm feeling a little bit lonely. Can we hang out? Like that type of initiative to say, hey, or actually, I need pursued and encouraged. Could you actually share something with me rather than waiting? kind of, or hinting a, you know, passive aggressively trying to hint at needing encouragement or needing some engagement. It's to say, Hey, actually I need some encouragement. Can we do that? And man, that's super uncomfortable. 
but it's also been then life-giving and transformative to be met mm. in, in those experiences, in those processes. Can I go one layer deep with, Please, deeper with yeah, you? Please, yeah, I feel like it. this is actually a benefit. Mm. My, my thought is we've all, all three of us, four of us, Alexis included, we've grown enormously in initiative, but it's come sometimes with a little bit of rejection. So I'm curious, like you, you're vulnerable. You say, hey man, I, I, I really need you to pursue me or I really need a friend right now. Somebody responded poorly to you, I'm sure, along the way. What did you do when they were responded poorly oh it, it hurts it hurts a lot and it it trick it's triggering i mean is the word of of okay something's wrong with me not like me i shouldn't do that that was a bad decision it takes me back to you know childhood and the things i'm processing in therapy and all these things it becomes very real very very personal yeah. and i think the the impetus of even having the ordinary guide with a grounding category of relationships though is to constantly be then pulled and pointed back to Jesus in that space and mm. to be able to learn how to mourn and grieve even through mm. some of that, but then be reminded, hey, initiative is still the way, is <laughs> still the way forward. Right. And even then to stay and in my best moments, then to hang in that space and to even then lean toward that hurt and to even then share that either with that person or other mm. people. So to say, hey, I'm trying to take initiative. I feel like it's not working very well. I want to follow up on that. Okay. So, so that we makes would sense. Say, makes a lot of sense. We would say like, hey, theologically, we can, we can engage in friendships and relationships because Christ has engaged us, right? But the truth is that doesn't mean that every time we engage in a relationship, it's going to go really well. 100%. Mm. Okay. So, so we can have the motivation that's there. A theological principle can drive us, but our experience, because we live in a broken world, and, and maybe even that's too terse to say, we, we just live in a reality where not mm. everybody has time for us because mm. of that. We're going to experience a little bit of rejection, but do we give up? Yeah. No. Right. Well, no. Yeah, I said, yeah, but no, no. <laughs> yeah, you're like, yes. No, yes. we don't. I, I quit we, this podcast. <laughs> I'm walking away right we now. Don't, <laughs> we don't, we don't give up at all. And I think even in that, even in the theology of it, because even in Jesus's initiative, he experiences rejection as well. I mean, he takes oh, initiative wow. toward people and people don't respond toward him. His I, hometown. Yeah. His yeah. hometown. Like yeah. So, I mean, what we do is again, we relate to a God who didn't, always experience success and everybody loving him and being perfectly accepted by everybody. But we experience a God who actually experienced a lot of failure or, or weakness or even rejection mm -hmm. in himself. And for us, it's, or for me, I'll, I guess I'll just say for me, that, that actually brings comfort because it says, okay, um, it doesn't necessarily mean that something's wrong with me. <laughs> you know, it doesn't That's mean that good. anything's wrong with me. It actually just means that I'm sad, just like Jesus wept when the people didn't get it. When yeah. he showed up, he was really sad that the people didn't get it. And mm -hmm. there's times that, yeah, I've taken initiative and it didn't go very well. And I'm sad that people didn't get it or that it didn't work. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it, it doesn't It doesn't then mean that I have to give up or there's no hope or that now all of a sudden I have to reject other people or start fighting or, right. you know, that that's, right. that's then I guess the shift. Gabby, what, can you help me put this together? No, you're doing great. It's people? like you're saying sadness doesn't become the full stop to relationships. Mm. And I love that you're connecting that to Jesus feeling for how people were reacting to him in relationship because it's so That's true. Good. And I think it creates a really just reality for us where we, you know, are created for relationship, but likewise we have the space to recognize what happens when we're not connected in relationship. And even Jesus is, you know, weeping over Jerusalem. He's like, even you, like you're missing the savior. Like, mm -hmm. would you like be, you know, be, you know, accepting of me? I forget exactly what the passage is. That's the first passage I, I taught over on a Sunday actually. So unfortunately mm -hmm. I don't remember it, but 
It's the flu. It's the flu. But, um, you know, I just think that's so profound because it's teaching us such a, you know, a necessary way of recognizing the necessity of relationships, but also the space for that to be affected by them when they're not working. And I think maybe that gives us the hope of the gospel, knowing that like we're accepted into the story of God, knowing that we're a part of a story where relationships are completed and they are fulfilled and they will be for eternity, which is like such good news where it's like this thing we need so badly will be ours for forever. So it just, I think, does give this hope for us to be like, sadness makes sense, but yeah, it's not the full stop. Yeah, 100%. Well, and it's real. We'll all experience it too. And so I think the good news of the gospel is it is again, it's not in an ivory tower, you know, saying, hey, it'll always go great. But it is like, no, what happens when you experience that? Like, you're going to try to have mutuality. You're going to try to be, uh, take initiative. You're going to try to do some of these things, but then it won't always go great. What do we, what do we do with that? You know, and I think that's where a lot of people get stuck or a lot of people really maybe right. struggle is you have a vision for, hey, healthy relationship sounds great. I tried it once. But maybe hmm. now it, it doesn't work sure. out. Sure. So and then it reminds me of what we talked about last week, whereas maybe it, you can approach that in the same way that it's not a level up, it is a circular deepening. Yeah. It's where you can take an inventory and just recognize that's where you're at and that's okay. Normalize that in the sense of we're, we're, we're participating in something that we need to have, but that you, there is opportunity to re engage. Hmm. What's coming up for you? Ruben? So, so, what I'm hearing y'all say is we, we've got to keep trying doesn't mean you you know run in and get get denied once and then keep, just keep running and keep Heck, getting yeah, denied absolutely. like that's not there's probably some finesse to relationship and, and and I, and I, by the way I think you only learn it doing it right um but I'm but what I'm also he- hearing and maybe even what I think is also worth just fleshing out well maybe not fleshing out but just stating which is that I, I think if we're rejected once then we assume that no one likes us and no one wants to be our friend and no one gets us. And I'll say that in as much as we have such a deep and intentional and life-giving friendship with you guys as the Reyeses and the Binghams, we we also experienced a lot of no's before we kind of hit the one yes with you guys. So I think I shared in my in our first podcast or yeah, mm-hmm. I think I think I did. I, yeah. I shared like, hey man, Alexis and I were we, were, we felt really alone and we weren't even sure if we were supposed to keep planting solid rock because we felt mm. so alone. And part of that loneliness came from we keep trying to be intentional and mutual and have commitment and initiative with people, but but it's just not working. And I'll say that it it finally did work. And, and actually at that season of life, five or six years ago, when we all started connecting, it didn't just work with y'all. I worked with a few other mm-hmm. people who have since moved away. Like I think mm-hmm. of the cameras, I think of the carpenters, uh, I think of the cordex. These were people that we love dearly and we yeah. still do by God's kindness. They, they happen to move away and that's okay. But, but the point just being that you, you're going to strike out a few times, I think, before you, before you finally hit that home mm-hmm. run. And mm-hmm. no doubt we hit a few home runs in a row and we're really grateful for that. But, but, I, but I just think like if I had believed, hey, no one likes me, no one wants, no one gets us, no one wants to be our friends, we just never would have fully engaged with y'all and we really would have missed out on a great thing. Mm-hmm. So, so I'll just say you got to keep trying. Don't assume that nobody likes you. Mm-hmm. Remember that the, the, the motivation for relationships comes from the fact that Yahweh pursued and took initiative with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think it, I think it's so valuable. Yeah.
Okay, so Gabby, I mean, I feel like we've covered two really great engagements in healthy relationships. We went through mutuality, we went through initiative. From your perspective, what's maybe one or two more that we, yeah, we would do well to pay attention to in our relationships and in our being formed? Mm-hmm. I think what comes up from my, to my mind right now, it's in our, our ordinary guide, one of the inventories, but one of them is um, proximity. Mm-hmm. And this one comes up for me because I'm thinking of, you know, our story, when we moved to California, we made all these new friends, which was huge. And it's almost like I just got this wonderful, you know, you know, opportunity to connect with all, all the people at Solid Rock. Mm-hmm. And I'm just so glad that, honestly, Solid Rock, I've said this a lot of times, became the second family to me. Mm-hmm. Because they modeled this first to me, really, being like, here's this person who's in proximity to them, and they pursued me, and they were kind to me, invited me to like Thanksgiving meals and, and mm-hmm. things like that. So I think not being missed in a proximate space made so much difference for me. But it's made me recognize there's times I don't reciprocate that back out. You know, as we're talking about, we're modeling relationships under the path of Yahweh who first takes initiative towards us. It's maybe just taking that space to reflect how we've been pursued mm. in proximate connection to others, like just physical space and how likewise is there like one person you can do that with as well, or just maybe reflect on that, I should say. So that's kind of what's coming up for me because I've you know, you know, been really growing and experiencing that so much, being in a literal new space the past yeah. few years. Yeah, it's that's been huge for me too, of course. I, I see it in, again, it's hiding in plain sight in the Gospels. Jesus lived proximity, in proximity, such close proximity to all of his disciples. They were on top of each other, following around, mm. living life, eating meals, hanging out, but they were literally in close proximate space that's all good. of the time. And yeah. just being in that close proximate space created a context to be formed and to be changed. And if you're not in close proximate space with other people, it's going to really limit put a limit on how much forming and depth you can go in relationship. And if again, Jesus is the mark, what he shows us is he really opens up the fullness of his life to be proximate to other people. And I remember early at Solid Rock, Reuben invited me over when he was cooking, when he was cleaning, when he was running errands, when he was hanging out with uh, the neighbor and walking the dog, like being in proximate space, not just at the staff meeting table or at the sermon preparation table, but in the fullness of life was very transformative for me in being able to experience the health and depth of relationship that really I think we're, we're created for and what we're all really longing for. But it requires an aim and a, and a willingness to put ourselves in that proximity to other people and open up, open mm-hmm. that up in our lives and be yeah. willing to pursue that. Yeah, and I want to stay with you right there if that's okay. Because I think you're saying something so necessary. Because as I've been listening to us, I think my concern has been, you know, someone might listen and be like, okay, so now I have to do all these things. Anyone I see, I have to be friends with. I have to be vulnerable. I can't quit relationship. And so maybe we can just slow that down and maybe just normalize, you know, again, um, what we've been talking about, you know, that there there is some like maybe finesse or skill or learned experience. But I love what you said right there, Hunter, which is there's opportunity in the ordinary, which I kind of want to connect it back to. Yes. Because it doesn't have to be this big. We're always out for coffee. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm all brush my teeth. Like I'm out, I'm out, you know, seeing you guys. I mean, you should brush your teeth regardless, <laughs> but. You want to brush but, your teeth with me? <laughs> it's ordinary. Let's hang out. Great, great connection point. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> but. That's awesome. But. What if it can be that type of space? Yeah. Hey, I'm going to go on a walk. Hey, I'm right. cleaning up my kitchen. 
hey, you know, just something like that. Hey, it's a Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. Haven't done my makeup. Do you want to come over and make tea? Like right. it can be something like that to where it's very ordinary and very simple. And so I just, I do kind of want to reframe it that even that can be the opportunity versus this big, you know, event to right. connect with people. Like can their space and that simplicity. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, don't overthink it. Yeah. Take one step yeah. at a time. Yeah. I mean, really, because you're, you're right, Gab. If, if you overthink it, then all of a sudden, if you become overwhelmed by this, and all of a sudden you're, ooh, I, I'm going to say this, but but I hope it doesn't sound, but you're like, you're doing it wrong. You're, the paradigm for you then is not um, uh, progress, it's performance. Exactly. So remember, we, we talked about that. Like, we're not saying perform or be perfect in all these things. We're saying take one step. So very much, it could be, man, I, I go on a walk every Monday morning. How do I invite one person into that walk once a month? Right. Or, or yeah, it, it could right. be I go sh- grocery shopping every Sunday after church. How do I invite one person to go grocery shopping with me? And just and just like kill two birds with one stone, if you will. Exactly. Or not kill. That's so mean now that I think. Why did I say that? Uh, <laughs> check two boxes at the same yeah, time. <laughs> it's so much better. <laughs> Poor birds. So, so I mean, the, the, the point being, though, don't be overwhelmed by this. Take one step at a time. You've got the rest of your life to become like Jesus. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the good news here, right? You've got the rest of your life to become like Jesus and do what he did. Um, don't don't be overwhelmed, well, overwhelmed mm-hmm. by that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. 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 I love it. I agree. Don't be overwhelmed by it. I think one thing it does bring up for me though is I love that we call this the ordinary guide because it is ordinary and it's accessible to everyone, but also Jesus does transform things. Like he does push us out of our comfort zone. Like there is some, there is a little bit of, we've been talking about tension lately in this, but I want to stress like it, it's not always easy or comfortable to, to do these things, like to lean toward relationships in the way of Jesus, to take that one step might be uncomfortable. And I just want to encourage you and normalize that even. It would have been helpful for me to even be normalized in that, to say, hey, being proximate to someone is actually uncomfortable. There's going to be reasons, excuses, reasons to not do that. There's, yeah, there's going to be a hundred of those yeah. to not do that, but it, but it is worth it. It is worth it for the sake of who God is, what he's done in your life, but then also in your becoming like Jesus and being formed Uh, through like the awkwardness, through the goodness and through the challenges of it. So So, the opposite would be like, don't take any steps. Yeah. Yeah. Don't take any. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Don't just, don't just take this in as, uh, yeah, as, as information. It is formation too, you know, and and formation Mm -hmm. is, is in intentionally, I think a little bit uncomfortable. A little bit yeah. pushing us to take that one step. And so. I think that those are good words from both of you, right? Because it's like, let's not perform here. Right. Let's not overstretch and overextend. What is the sim- the most simpler or ordinary way you are invited to that formation? Mm-hmm. Right. And I love that Ruben Newman said it can be once a month. Like it's not, we're not starting with something huge, but we're, st- we're the invitation is to something growing mm-hmm. and something that will form you for the deepening of your discipleship as you follow Jesus to become like him. Like that is, you're becoming a new way. You're becoming like this new person, like Jesus. So of course there will be some strain to that, but it's like we're saying, it's not this overwhelming. Am I getting that right? Oh, hundred percent. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. No, you're, you're nailing it. Um, okay. I, I, I feel like I feel like this last one is really important. I know we're kind of running short on time, but this this idea of commitment, mm. which which I think what we wanted to say here was covenant, but we yeah. said commitment because we don't want to freak some people out. But but <laughs> I but I really feel like we should talk about this one because everything we're saying is really good. But if you're not committed, or I might argue if you're not in covenant, you 
it, it's easy to run away from these things when yep. stuff gets really hard, right? Yep. Um, so, I mean, conflict resolution comes up when you get in a conflict. It's easy to say, I'm not going to take initiative. This isn't mutual, and I don't want to be around you anymore. But commitment or covenant says opposite of that. So can one of you guys take it, like, talk to me about covenant and what we do in friendship and covenant. Yeah, absolutely. Covenant in our time is not used very much. It's really only used in marriage, ironically, but it, it makes, it makes sense in the sense that, Hey, I'm committing to be to you. Um, what I'm saying, I'm going to be to you regardless of your performance, yeah. regardless of what you're going to be to me. That's good. And what we see in scripture is that's not, that doesn't start in marriage. That starts between God and his people. God, God initiates this covenant to be faithful to his people, even if they're unfaithful to him. And then that actually is then the paradigm that we likewise are to have as the church, as Christians, as disciples with one another is to likewise, not just with our marriage, but even to the other people that we're in community or relationships with to make that type of covenant to each other to say, Hey, I will be to you what I ought to be to you, regardless of your performance or how you're doing. And I want to actually say that explicitly and submit myself to that commitment to that covenant with you, because I know that there are going to be challenging times in relationships. Relationships are not always easy. We're being formed to be like Jesus. And I actually need the safety and the the backbone, the foundation of a covenant, of a commitment yeah. in order to be able to live these things out because they are, they are challenging because they are difficult. Yeah, man. Well, I, I think if you've got, if you've got friendships, if you've, if you've got relationships that aren't rooted in covenant, that aren't rooted in commitment, then honestly, it's all a wash. And I, I, I would argue that the the signal of formation in your life is your ability to get through um, tense or conflict moments, conflicting moments with the other person that you're in a relationship with um, to, to get through that, to get to the other side and to realize how you've been shaped and formed by that friendship or by that relationship. Because at the end of the day, um, we, we run the risk of throwing all of this out with the the water. What what's the phrase? Throwing the baby out with the water. Again, a terrible phrase. Why do we use these phrases? <laughs> we run the risk of wasting our time and not being formed if we're not committed to covenantal language with one another. Now, in our friendship, this is played out by saying we we have agreed on language that we commit to. We even for this podcast, we came up with a covenant with one another to say, hey, this is our commitment to this. And and when we're outside of that, we invite accountability because we love one another well. We want to honor one another well. I mean, the, the scripture tells us to outdo one another in honoring. So we we want to we want to stay committed to this in friendship. We want to stay committed to this in relationship. I even think of like you said, Hunter, in marriages, covenantal language is so imperative because if you don't have that, it's a contract. And the second the other person breaks the contract, it doesn't meet your unspoken expectation. Now all of a sudden you can write them off. This is not an option, though, in healthy relationships because the the source of our healthy – listen, when we say that, what we say is that the source of our healthy relationships is the other person's performance. But as Christians, people who abide by the gospel, by scripture, we say the source of our covenantal relationships is the covenant Yahweh who's been exactly what he said he would be to us even though we were not what we said we would be to him. So because the source of our relationships as Christians is Yahweh, 
Well, now all of a sudden, we don't have a choice but to lean towards one another on kind of the love and the grace and the compassion that we've been given. So, so I, I, th- this one is so vital. I imagine, Gabby, you're like, again, uh, I call you our relationship expert. So I imagine at some point we're going to do a podcast on conflict resolution, right? Mm-hmm, probably. Yeah, we have to. <laughs> we have to. So we'll talk about that later. But but I just, this one was so important. Commitment, mm-hmm. covenant language. Yeah. Vital. Yeah, it's vital. absolutely vital. And I think in all of these categories, like what's really landing for me is you don't have to go somewhere else to have discipleship be primary in your life. Like what we're trying to think to show here in the ordinary guide is right with the relationships that you currently have right in your life, there are ways to intentionally follow Jesus, to ordinarily follow Jesus, become like him, but to, to take those steps in your life or just to take that one step rather of what we're saying, but to think about who in, who in your life is, is that, um, engagement scale of commitment outworking in like who who are you to oh, take good. take that step of commitment towards or what is god saying to you in that space or what does mutuality look like for you in this season or mm-hmm. what is that one step of initiative i think these are the these are the types of questions that does bring the the theology the gospel narrative scripture into our daily lived experience mm-hmm. whether you don't have to be a pastor for that. You don't have to be a missionary somewhere else for that. You don't have to go do anything crazy for that. You just have to take a reflection about what is God doing in your life right now and how can you take that step to intentionally relate to others like Jesus does. Super well said. Yeah, super well said. Yeah, absolutely. So, so we would almost say, we would almost say like, should we, we would almost say, should we, um, how does this play out in friendships? How does this play out in our marriage? How does this play out with family? Yeah, and, and maybe even people should take a moment after this podcast and just jot down some of that for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. I love absolutely. That. I love absolutely. That. Yeah, guys, that's huge. And I'd love to just end on that. I think you're having such a natural call to action for people right now to, like you said, Ruben, reflect in your current relationships and we can repeat you know, the inventory measures that we've shared, the mutual, mutuality, commitment, proximity, initiative, just those four things that maybe you can reflect on. Just in some ways, there's no maybe just um, right and wrong on our end, but I think the invitation of the ordinary guide and this inventory is to reflect right? Where are you at? And then like Hunter, you're saying, is there a space that God or his spirit is inviting you to be formed, right? As you take that inventory, where are you being invited to be formed? Mm -hmm. And what does that next step look like? Does it look like taking an action? Does it look like just sharing with somebody what you reflected on? You know, I think, you know, as we've shared before, the good news of the ordinary way of following Jesus is there is so much space for that next be- mm-hmm. next step, you know, and I really hope that as, you know, y'all take on that next step and as you take on our commission, you know, that God's spirit does meet you in that and that you are invited to a next step that, as we've said, is maybe graciously forming you to become mm-hmm. like Jesus. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Hunter and Ruben, for bearing with my flu um, symptoms. So Yay. Yeah, that's awesome. That's you should good. Have flu every week. Perfect. Yeah. Just just (laughs) perpetual flu, perpetual flu. Yeah. Thank you everyone for bearing with my flu, flu, flu-ness here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So with that, I'd love to also just invite you as we always do to, if you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Instagram at the ordinary underscore guide. That's at the ordinary underscore guide. We still have a lot of fun giveaways going on over there and just building a fun community of following Jesus together. So we'd love to invite you to follow that. 
and you can find the guide and other resources on our website, which is www.theordinaryguide.com. And you can be sure to visit us next week as we continue unpacking other categories of The Ordinary Guide. We're super excited and we'll see you then. Thanks so much. It's been great to have this conversation with you guys and we hope you're blessed by this and hope that as y'all leave that you are just reminded that there is so much permission for you to follow Jesus at your own pace. Thanks so much. Thank you.